Welcome to Revealed in Ephesians, the mystery of who I am in Christ. My name is Brianna. I'm your author and your host today, and we are on part two of dealing with anger and the devil. We are studying my book, Revealed in Ephesians, the mystery of who I am in Christ. And this is a study of Ephesians, and we are in um, Ephesians chapter four. And our memory verse, let's say our memory verse Together, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. Uh, yesterday, we talked about not being rooted in irritation, bitterness, and um, frustration. And uh, we talked about how in Ephesians chapter 3, which it's our memory verse, our, our, not our memory verse, our memory prayer, um, let me just read this for you to you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, awesome, awesome prayer. And what I was connecting that prayer to is the fact that we can pray that our prayer, our cry of our heart should be that we would be rooted and established in love. And that our love for Christ and our relationship with Christ will affect and impact all of our other relationships and the deepest parts of our heart. Now, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, or you've made a commitment to Christ, and you go to church, or you don't go to church, um, but you feel like your emotions are all out of whack, and your relationships are all disjointed, and um, there's frustration and irritation, or confusion or anxiety, it is time to just push the pause button, because you may have developed over your lifetime or over your marriage, or over your relationships with whatever person you're having trouble with, bad spiritual habits. Well, we need to learn to live as people who have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. Now, remember in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that when we lived apart from Jesus, that we were living according to the prince of the power of the air. We were living in his power and we were living in his ways. We we're living for ourselves and we were living in a very worldly mind frame. But now as believers, we need to learn to have relationships with one another in a spirit-filled way. And there are so many people that not, I'm not just talking about average everyday churchgoers or non-churchgoers. I'm talking about leaders in the church that need to learn the basics. We got to get back to the ABCs. We got to get back to elementary school with our, with our relationship with God. And we have to have our finger on the pulse of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be rooted in love. Now, is love just a feeling 
or an idealism? No, because all through scripture, we are taught that love is an action. Love is something that we do. And sometimes we love in obedience and we don't feel like it, but that is why it's love because I'm making a choice to love somebody. I'm making a choice not to keep any record of wrongs. I'm making a choice to be patient when everything inside of me wants to not be patient. And then I'm making a choice Because Christ loved me and died for me in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my ugliness, in the middle of my sin, I'm making a choice to submit my heart, my mind, my emotion, my will, every part of my life to Him. And it's it's very simple. It's not like you don't have to do... like what I've heard, I have a, a dear friend who was in the New Age for years, and um, I've heard that like she said, I would have to work really, really, really hard in the New Age to get the slightest bit of peace. And then as soon as I was done with this like long meditation or my yoga, and I was done with that, it would all come back. The peace would leave. Like happy feelings are gone. It would be so temporary. But she said, with Jesus, it's so different. You just ask and it happens. And, and the, the contrast is huge. But how many of us, we don't even ask the Lord to transform us deeply and personally from the inside out. We don't say, Lord, I am tired of always being angry. I'm tired of always feeling irritated all the time and disgusted or depressed or anxious. How many times do we we just forget um, that we have a Savior who who transforms us? We have a, a Savior that died and rose again, and we were raised up to life with Him. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we know from Ephesians chapter 1, lives inside of you when you put your trust in Christ. And so this has changed my life personally. So today I'm going to talk about this. How do we do this? Number one, I've already said prayer, prayer, Lord, why? You need to start asking God, as my dad used to say, or always still says, but he used to tell me when I was younger, ask God the right questions. Not just like, God, why aren't you taking away my anger? That's not the right question. What is he going to say? I don't know. Like, what is he going to say to that? How about this? God, why am I still angry? What is making me angry? What is in my life that is not pleasing to you that needs to be pulled up? And it says, I mean, we got to remember what it says. Um, Yesterday, we read out of James chapter one, and I'm going to read this again. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen right there, (laughs) right there. Um, Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I'm going to tell you this really raw, um, revealing story about myself when I was younger. It's very embarrassing, but I'm going to tell it, even though my audio engineer's sitting here and he's probably going to laugh at me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I remember a day whenever, whenever our daughter, who's 20 now, when she was like two, and for some reason, I was angry with my husband, and we were um, probably much to his chagrin. We were driving in the car, so so as we were driving, I kept getting angrier and angrier, and I was like, you know, like just 
just yelling at him, like just talking really, really fast. And I felt so justified in everything that I was saying to him. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me during this time. Now, this is where I'm past the irritation point. I'm not irritated. I'm in full-blown SOS, call 911, you know, Caleb's going to drive the car off a bridge any second. <laughs> we got to get there. We got to help, help. And the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a still small voice. And so I wasn't listening to him because he was talking. He was saying, Brianna, you need to stop right now. Brianna, you need to stop. This is, I mean, he wasn't yelling at me. He wasn't like throwing things at me. He wasn't causing an accident or something. Um, he was just speaking to my heart and I just kept plowing on and it was getting louder and louder. And then this very verse, he was speaking to me. He was saying the righteous, well, and I remember this is the the newer, um, somehow they just decided to take out the, the pronouns and change them in the Bible because I thought, they think that women can't read the word man and know that it's mankind, so we have to be. Um, anyways, I have that's a whole for another another day. But it says um, here human anger, but it, it the anger of man is is <laughs> the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm a woman, but I knew God was telling me, even though it was man, He was telling me it was me. Um, this verse kept going. The anger of man does not. Uh, produce the righteous life that God desires. The anger of man does not produce the righteous life. And I kept being like, la, 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 you know, like just spitting out the anger at Caleb. And here, lo and behold, we drive past this church and on the marquee, wouldn't you know it, James 1.20, the anger of man does not produce the righteous life that God desires. And I started, like, I just shut my mouth it was like that was the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I, you know, the Holy Spirit knew, I think, in advance that I was going to be doing that that day. He either had that person put that up there just for me because he knew where Caleb was going to be driving, or he planted that verse in my mind because he knew where Caleb was going to be driving. Or he's like, hey, let's just take a right at this church, Caleb. I want to show Brianna this sign. And as soon as I saw that, I shut my mouth and sat there really quiet. And then Caleb probably thought I was bipolar or something because I was like, I'm really sorry for yelling at you. Like, will you please forgive me? I just, I just was sinning against you. And I think he probably felt shook. You know, he's like, he's like, okay, give me a minute. And he didn't say anything, but he was like, what in the world is going on? Um, but I was like, no, I was just ignoring the Holy Spirit. He was telling me the whole time that I needed to stop yelling. And I kept yelling and he was like, okay. And then he just showed me this marquee. And, um, but you know what? It took Caleb a while to recover from that tongue lashing um, because he was hurt. So he was hurt, even if he, I don't remember what he did to me that made me yell at him, but he was hurt because I was yelling at him and wouldn't stop. And I felt justified in doing what I was doing. And it was not producing the righteous life that God desired. First of all, because our daughter, who was impressionable, sitting in the back taking notes, you know, all right, moms, it's okay to yell at your husband for 10 minutes in the car without drawing a breath. And, you know, that that is impactful. Since then, I've had to apologize. I mean, the Lord really dealt with me with yelling and anger, and I apologize to my daughter. If you have a bad habit, a bad habit, or in this case, a sin, it's a sin to treat somebody that way, and you have done that in front of your kids or somebody else, first of all, the biblical response is to apologize. 
not to ignore it, not to pretend it didn't happen, not to try to make it up, make up with some other thing, but to be humble and apologize and say, will you forgive me? And then for our daughter, um, eventually, she was probably two then, by the time she, it was like around the time she was five is when the Lord showed me I needed to say, because I was having, I mean, I had an anger issue back then and I would, I would get into yelling matches with her. She and I would be like, rah, rah, back and forth. But the Lord showed me that I needed to stop it. It was my responsibility as the mother. And I was, at that point, I was angry. Um, oh man, I'm, t- I'm taking you from like, we were at age two, let's go to age five. At that point, I was always having conflicts with my daughter. And uh, again, uh, phone a friend, call my dad, talk to him on the phone. He was like, you know, Brianna, you need to forgive your daughter. That's what the problem is. And I was like, that it can't be that, Dad. Like, there's got to be some other, you know, deep, mystical, and I'm not, I didn't say mystical, but just something. There's something that I need that needs to happen. Um, maybe it's the devil. Maybe it's, I was thinking of all these things. He's like, no, you just need to forgive your five-year-old for what she's been doing. And that's embarrassing to say that. I need to forgive this beautiful blonde, cute. She had like long, curly blonde hair, big blue eyes and eyelashes, and so adorable. But I was having these explosive issues with her because I wasn't living in forgiveness. And that is the plug into the wall of anger. Like if we unplug from that by forgiving, we can take the power out of the anger. Forgiveness takes the power out of the anger, repentance and forgiveness so that we can be rooted and established in love. So as a, as embarrassed as I was to do it, I had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me. And I forgive my daughter in Jesus name for being difficult to get ready for school. I forgive my daughter in Jesus name for basically being a kid because, you know, when you're a mom, you can be so stressed out and just them doing kid things can just irritate you and you have to forgive them. And it sounds crazy and you might feel weak and like a complete loser that you need to forgive a two-year-old or a three-year-old or an infant, but you do. And it's because you're mad. Or you're irritated. So you have to forgive. And this is how you do that. It's this simple. I forgive in Jesus' name. And I was like, I forgive Ariel in Jesus' name. And on that day, I went down. When the Lord showed me this, I went down. I got my daughter. I, I called her over. She was in kindergarten. I looked her in the eyes and I said, Mommy has been talking to God. And God showed me that I yell too much and it's not good. And I've been yelling at you and you've been yelling at me, but I'm going to go first and I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And I'm going to work really, really hard to not yell anymore. Now, I know I may slip up and I may make a mistake, but I'm, I'm going to work till I never do that, till I'm not a screamer and I'm not a yeller anymore because it's not right. And, you know, she didn't have a huge response, but she just like, okay. And so it felt a little silly, um, but I asked her to forgive me. I said, will you forgive? And you have to, if you have wronged somebody in your anger, you have to ask them for forgiveness. Don't just say, hey, sorry for yelling. Say like, it's genuine uh, relationship skills. 101, our culture is terrible at this. If you watch any old movies, I'm going to just aside here. If you watch any old movies, like I was watching the Dick Van Dyke show. That's not a movie, it's a TV show. 
And he had some weird misunderstanding with his next door neighbor, Jerry, who was his dentist. And, you know, Jerry like went out of town to a dentist convention and um, Dick Van Dyke, um, you know, he he got a toothache and he had to go to another dentist and he felt terrible because he's betraying Jerry. But he knew he had this infection. It was horrible. So he goes and gets his tooth pulled. And then he had the dentist work on some other teeth and put in a couple other fillings. And then he was scared that Jerry, his neighbor, was not going to talk to him again. So he stopped talking to Jerry. Now, this is all connected to the anger thing. Um, He stopped talking to Jerry because he was afraid of making Jerry angry. And then he was getting mad because he was making up in his own mind that Jerry was mad at him when Jerry didn't know why he wouldn't talk to him. Rob, Rob Petrie, if anybody's watched, if you haven't watched it and it's on Amazon or Netflix, you have to watch the Dick Van Dyke show. So it's just great watching good old television, old classic television. But at the end, when they resolved the whole thing at the end of the show, they actually had on television this like honest apology and like interpersonal relationship skills that you never see on television because it doesn't exist in American culture anymore. Now it's all sarcasm and pride and put downs and jokes even though that whole thing is hilarious he actually said jerry will you please forgive me for going to another dentist and then not talking to you and thinking that you're mad he's like of course i forgive you you're my friend you don't see grown men on television doing that anymore but here are like a-listers doing this on a tv show and now christians in church even pastors Pastor's wives don't know how to apologize to each other. It's just basic relationship skills that we have lost. Our culture is losing the art of relationships, and we don't know how to live spiritual lives. We're living worldly, selfish lives, and it's pride. Like People don't want to apologize because they're prideful. So, um, so like when you're talking to somebody, just say, will you forgive me? I was angry. I've had anger issues and I'm taking them to the Lord. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but God is going to perfect me over time. And I'm really striving. Will you please forgive me for the time, times I've yelled at you? Or maybe you're not a yeller. You may just be listening and like thinking of your spouse and you're like, oh, my spouse needs to listen to this. Or my sister needs to listen to this. Or my mom needs to listen to this. But maybe you're like a cold shoulder, shoulder person or you ignore or you freeze out your spouse. Maybe you haven't like had intimacy with your spouse in like months because you're mad and you're trying to prove something to him and he has no idea why you're not talking to him or sleeping with him. And he's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on because you're punishing him with your silence. And that is anger. Just because you're not yelling does not mean it's not sin. So there's this idea that um, the only kind of sin is yelling. I mean, there's other ways to be angry. We can say hurtful things, even in a joking way, in our anger and sin against people. We can um, we can neglect people. We we one of the most um, damaging things in a relationship. And I learned this in this amazing um, marriage seminar we went to years ago. Caring for the heart. It's a great, great amazing relationship ministry, Caring for the Heart, out of Colorado. And um, they said that studies show that whenever you are ignored and neglected or given the silent treatment, you are more likely to be deeply damaged than if you're yelled at. Because there's something about that neglect. It's like 
I'm withholding all emotion from you. You don't know what I'm thinking or feeling or saying, and that is just as damaging. So that's sin. And in the middle of all of this, the devil can get a foothold. So what we're going to talk about tomorrow on day three is how the devil can get a foothold in our anger and then how to get rid of that foothold if you have if you have fallen into that or someone in your household or someone you love has um, how to get rid of that foothold. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you tomorrow on week eight, day three. <laughs>